So we're going to get right into the word of the Lord this morning from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is the prayer. I've mentioned it to you. We looked at this last week. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus after he had uh, written this letter. When, when he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, he, he began the first three chapters of the letter just really uh, reminding them, instructing them, and, and as a way of reminder of all the benefits that they have as a, as a result of having received Jesus Christ into their lives as, as their personal Lord and Savior. And he talks about having been accepted unto the Lord, uh, having been adopted into the family of God, having been redeemed from death unto life, having been raised up and seated together with him. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. We have the abundance of the grace of God and how we have a citizenship, a, a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship in heaven. And the Apostle Paul is just reminding them of all these wonderful privileges that they have. Then the, the remainder of the, of the letter, chapters 4, 5, and 6, uh, instruct us then in the, in the proper application of all these benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. But I just find it interesting when Paul's uh, wrapping this up, all the, all the privileges and all the benefits of being a born-again child of God, being in covenant with Almighty God. He begins his prayer, and it's recorded in verse 14. It says, when I think of all this, all the wonderful privileges, benefits that we have in Christ, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. Everyone say unlimited resources. From his glorious unlimited resources, God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. What should we understand? We should understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. That can sound like a, you know, double talk there. You're supposed to understand something that you can't understand, but don't write it off thinking, well, I can't comprehend it, so I'm just going to ignore it. It must not apply to me. No, go as far as you can with it. Go as, go as, uh, as, as wide and as long and as high and as deep as you can and just continue to go wider, to go longer, to go higher, and to go deeper in his love. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, Yes, it's too great to understand fully, but let's get as much of it as we can. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within you to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think then we may ask or think. So the title is part two, infinitely more, and God is able to do 
infinitely more than we might ask or think. That which you're able to comprehend, that which you're able to perceive, God is able to do beyond that. Without limit, God is able to work in and through you, and he desires to do that. And so I want to ask you this morning to just kind of make this a contemplative type thing. Just kind of think about your own personal life. It, it, it's a corporate message, but it's also a personal message. When Paul's writing to the church, he's writing to the corporate body of Christ. And God wants to do beyond what the corporate body of Christ can ask or imagine, but he also wants to do through your personal life what you can personally ask or imagine, that beyond what you can ask or think. And so contemplate with me, if you would, this morning. Say, wait... What am I able, how big, how long, how wide, and how deep am I able to go with this? How much can I really believe God loves me? How much of his love have I experienced, and how much more love is there to experience that I haven't even comprehended yet? When I read this prayer, and, I'm, and when I'm hearing Paul's heart, that there's, there's, there's a love far beyond what I have experienced. And I've considered myself to have been loved by my parents, and I consider myself to have been loved by Almighty God. And I thank God for being loved. But when I contemplate this, and when I read this, and I meditate on it, and I reflect on it, I think, how high... How much higher can we go? How much, how, how wide and how long, how high and how deep, how much more is there than what I have experienced, than what we have experienced? And not only in the love of God, but uh, God is able to do, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than you might ask or think. So what have you been asking? And what have you been thinking? What are you able to comprehend? How big is your God? And then along with letting yourself go out there, also be honest with yourself, where have I shut the door? Where have I shut down thinking, God's not been faithful to me. We're singing a song this morning about how faithful he is, but he hasn't been faithful to me. I've been believing God for, you know, you fill in the blanks, and it hasn't, it hasn't materialized. And so... I'm not so sure that this is true, or I'm not so sure that God loves me unconditionally. You know, it's many times, it's, it's, uh, when, we, when we talk about the bigness of God and, and, and the power of God and, and, the, and the manifestations of God, it's, it's real easy to believe that God can do great and awesome things, and, and, and especially through other people. But how about personally? How about personally? Is God really able to do awesome miraculous, beyond what I can ask or think, is he able to do that, and will he do that in my life, in my household, in my spheres of influence? And if we're honest with ourselves, most often we can identify you know, where we have become uh, either satisfied or we have become discouraged and we just basically have given up on it, saying it is what it is. Is that part of your vocabulary? Do you find yourself saying frequently throughout the course of a day, throughout the course of a week, well, it is what it is? Well, it doesn't need to be is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't sound real good, but it's good preaching. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, it doesn't need to remain. It is what it is. 
So let's not, let's not adopt that type of attitude into our walk with God, thinking, well, it is what it is. It's never going to change. That's basically what people are saying when they're saying it is what it is. Who says it can't change? Who put the limit on it? Who put the limit on what you're experiencing? Did God limit you? Did other people, are other people limiting you? Or are you limiting yourself? There was a book written, it was uh, published in 1961, back when I was just a kid. Nineteen sixty one. That's a real date, Bella. <laughs> People were on the earth. We had electricity. We didn't have internet, but we had electricity. There's a book by J. J. B. Phillips, and it was called Your God is Too Small. And I read the book a number of years ago. Not in nineteen sixty one, I don't think I could read them, but anyway. <laughs> And in his book, he points out that it's, uh, when it comes to our God being too small, he says it's a theological problem. Our image of God does not merit contemplation, devotion, or obedience. Our God is too remote. He's too disinterested and inept. We are not expecting anything from him, nor are we engaged with him. So you think about those statements and which one of them, you know, rings true in your, in your mind, in your thought processes, and in your theology. What is your image of God? Is he big enough to capture your contemplation? Is he big enough to capture your awe, your worship, your praise? Is he trustworthy enough to demand your trust in him? Is he big enough, powerful enough, awesome enough to merit your devotion and your obedience? Is he close enough and is he interested enough in your life for you to pay attention to him? You know, many times we go through life and we're so cognizant of everything around us, everything that we're walking through and walking into, but we have, we have no consciousness of who's walking through this life in us and with us. Christ is with us. He's in us. And so as we are mindful that God is in us in the person of the Holy Spirit and we're more mindful of who is with us rather than what we're walking into, it, it will bring out that contemplation, that devotion, and that worship unto, unto God. It will capture our attention. We'll, we'll be fixed on him and we'll come to that place where we are desiring Desiring to understand the love of God. It's not completely that we're not able to comprehend it fully, but we're able to go farther with it. We're able to go deeper with it, wider and longer with it. And we'll have a desire to do that. I heard a minister say some years ago, he said that you take the Holy Spirit away from the first century church. The first century church minus the Holy Spirit, 99% of their activity would cease. The modern-day church, 
you remove the Holy Spirit, 99% of our activity would continue like nothing changed. Now, I'm being kind by saying the church, but let's personalize that. Contemplation. What is it that we're contemplating? What is it that we are believing about God? And what are you believing about God that's distorting your image of God, hindering him from being able to do infinitely more to work in and through you without any limitations? God, I'm at your disposal. Have your way. I trust you. I'm going off the high dive. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. It's important that we understand and realize that any perception that we have in our mind concerning God that is inconsistent with what Jesus revealed about God in his life and in his teachings must be rejected. We can't just allow things just to, to we, we can't allow things to have formulated in us and just accept them as reality. Uh, when they're not in alignment with what, what did Jesus, how did Jesus present God the Father? In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, uh, gives us a, just a great picture of what Jesus came to do. I want to read that from Hebrews chapter 1. Just the first couple of verses, but it, I think it's just so, brings such clarity into the ministry and the purpose of Jesus coming. In Hebrews 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, Long ago, God spoke. That's beyond 1961. Again, Bella, that's for you. Beyond 1961, God spoke. Many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. So Jesus' life on the earth. When Jesus was manifested on the earth, while he was here, his life and his teaching expresses the very character and nature of God. I think the New King James says he's an exact representation of God the Father. So we want to know what God is like. Study the life of Jesus. Look at what Jesus did when he came into the earth. What did Jesus teach when he was on the earth? And that is an exact representation of God the Father's love, the length, the width, the depth, and the height of it. And that when we look to Jesus, we can begin to understand and get a more, more accurate picture. Because until I see God accurately and accept Jesus' testimony of who God is, it would be difficult for me to understand and for you to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is for us. God is love. 
my form, formula, my years in, in growing up and first becoming a Christian and until I got a, a better grip of, of the Word of God and an understanding of God. But I had, this, um, I had this image of God as being a really mean taskmaster, just waiting for me to make a mistake and then to be punitive toward me for the mistake that I made. That was, that was my concept of God, that when something happened to people, it, it, was, it was punitive, for whatever they did, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> and, it, and it was a long time for me to get beyond the fact, and it's a revelation to me one day, it just came to me that, you know, in, in First John it tells us, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. I'm paraphrasing. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Everyone say, he first loved me. And in John 3.16, most people are familiar with that. You know, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. One day it dawned on me in my lightning fast mind that sending Jesus to love me and to forgive me and to accept me and to bring me into newness of life that that was God's idea. That was God's love. God loved, so he gave Jesus. Jesus loved, so he obeyed God the Father. And so it's no longer that God's angry, and if, and if it wouldn't be for Jesus, we'd all be in trouble. That is true in, in, a, in an overall covenantal perspective, but not, not in the dealings with God you know, God is no longer, God is not angry toward you. God is loving toward you. And if we're ever going to get to a place where God is able to do infinitely more than I can ask or imagine, I'm going to have to become rooted and grounded in the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of God's love in order to have that foundation for, for him to be able to work in and through me to go beyond what I can, I I, 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 I place where I can't even comprehend it. He's able to do far greater than that. I can't even articulate what that might look like. But it's fun sometimes to just take some contemplating moments and, 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 and dare to dream. Dare to dream and be as wild about it as just go out there as far as you can. And then to think that that's only a beginning for God. He can go infinitely more than that without limit without limit. We limit him with our intellect. We limit him with our resources. We limit him with all sorts of things. We put our limitations on God. But he doesn't have the limits that we put on him. And he would rather ignore the ones that we put on him and allow his unlimited love, his grace, and his mercy to be manifested in and through us. In and through us. So Jesus came to represent God. He's an exact representation of God the Father. And when you look at the life of Jesus, I'm going to, uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 10, just a few verses in the Gospel of John. I mean, there's many of them in there. I just want to look at a few of them. But in John chapter 10, Jesus introduces himself as the good shepherd. I'm going to say a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the good shepherd. Let me say it again. He's a good shepherd. And so he is a good shepherd. He introduces himself as a good shepherd. But in, uh, in verse 10, 
chapter 10 and verse 10. I use this verse many times when I'm trying to determine what is going on, what's happening here, what's the cause of this, and, and it always brings me just a, a, a great, brings great clarity into my life. And I hope it helps you as well. But this is Jesus talking about uh, his purposes. And then in verse 10, he says, the thief, talking about Satan, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. So there's something happening in life, in your life, that's stealing, it's killing, and destroying. That's not God working in you to bring you to a place of repentance. That's the devil coming at you to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So stop tiptoeing around that thinking, God, is this you? I'm so sorry, God. No, it's the devil. And we need to rise up and realize that God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more in me than I can even ask or imagine. And therefore, I can, I can, I can plant my feet firmly in the love of God and I can say, no, devil, you're not doing this. I'm a covenant child of God. I, I am loved by God. I am in covenant with God. And you are not allowed to come in. I give you no permission. Every, every plane against me, I, I, I just foil it right now now in Jesus' name. I call it null and void in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus said that's, that's the enemy's purpose, that's the thief's purpose, but his purpose. And we say uh, Jesus' purpose. Here's his purpose for coming. He came to reveal God the Father to be an exact representation of him, but he also says, my purpose is to give them, which means us, to give them a what? Say it like you mean it. I didn't put that in there. Jesus came to give you a rich, and we say rich, like, like rich. Say it like you're rich. Say a rich and satisfying life. No, say rich and satisfying. So now be honest with yourself, are you experiencing a rich and a satisfying life? Are you experiencing rich and satisfying relationships? Are you experiencing what Jesus' purpose is? And if we're not fully satisfied with the level of rich and the, and the degree of satisfying, then open yourself up and say, God, I'm opening myself up to you for you to be able to do infinitely more than what I am experiencing right now. Right now. I desire to be experiencing the rich and satisfying life that you have come to bring into my life. I see God as a God of love. He's so loved that he sent you into this world to redeem me unto himself through your precious shed blood at Calvary's cross. He has uh, made me alive. He has raised me up. He has seated me together uh, with you in heavenly places. And I am not at any level of rich or satisfying. Life has been difficult. Life has been frustrating. Life has been discouraging. Life has been disappointing. But they can all turn around because God is able to do what? Infinitely more. Infinitely more. Without limit. Without limit. So exactly who is limiting who? 
God is not restricting us. God is not, open, God is not closing us in. He's inviting us to open up and, and to come into a place of expanse. And that place of expanse, the very foundation of that is to come into that place of receiving and believing that the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus is applicable to me and that I am coming to a place where I am beginning to understand the, the, the length, the height, the width, and the depth of the love of God. And I'm coming to a place to fully appreciate the love of God, even though it's not fully comprehensible. I am, I am going deeper in it. I'm going wider in it. I'm becoming stronger in it. And I'm in, in a place where, God, I want you to do all that you have desired to do. I want to receive the purposes. I want to walk in the purposes of what Jesus Christ came to do, and that is to bring me into a place of a rich and a satisfying life. Spirit, soul, and body. Rich in relationships. Rich in resources. Rich in whatever it is that you have need of. He came to supply our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's another prayer that, they, that was prayed also that I, that's recorded in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. You can pull that up on the screen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. So, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. What has God called you into? What was Jesus' purpose? To bring you out of darkness into his glorious light, to bring you into a rich and a satisfying life. Here it says, we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he, God, give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. God wants to do a work in you without limits, without limit. But he does not desire to do it, and he won't do it without you. He's doing it in you and through you. In you and through you. That's why the prayer here is so important. This is all made possible because of, God's, because of the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the grace of God and the power of God in you. In you. So as you're leaving here today, you're walking back out into, you know, you're in, you're in that's why they call these places where we're gathered today, we call it a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. Life is good in here. Life is good. But you're going back out into a real world. You're going back into real family situations. But you're not walking into those situations by yourself. You're going out with the power of the love of God, the power of the grace of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit of God all deposited within you. And it's through that power God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ask or imagine infinitely more without limits according to the power that resides within you. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet for a moment? When you're as rich as you are, you can't, you, you can't, you can't remain seated. I mean, you just have to get up. I've got to move. <laughs> Life is good. Amen? If you look at your name and say, life is rich and satisfying. And I'm so excited 
to walk into it in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, name above all names, I pray, Lord God, as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica. Father, I pray for the power, the grace, the wisdom of Almighty God be manifested in each one. And Father, to help us, each one of us, no matter where we are, in whatever degree of love we have experienced and comprehended, there's so much more. So much more. And Father, I pray for more. Just richly pour out and open up our eyes to a revelation of the love of God. That you so loved the whole world. That you sent your son Jesus. Father, make that a revelation, not just a memory verse. Not just a springboard into leading someone to Christ. But make it a reality in our lives. We're walking with you, Father, but many times we're lacking a, a comprehension and an understanding of your love for the whole world. That means your love is in us. That means we have the ability to love people and people groups that perhaps we've been challenged in loving on them. But Lord God, in your love, we're coming into a, a greater revelation and a greater understanding. And today I can love people that I struggled loving some time ago. Love myself better than I did years ago. And Father, I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name that you're doing this work in our hearts, in our minds. You're bringing about revelation, knowledge of the love of God. Father, manifest yourself in life today. Bring about the riches, the riches of your life. Manifest it, Lord God, in those that are needing peace. You are the God of peace. Manifest yourself as peace. Father, for those that are struggling financially, Lord God, meet all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Super abundant provision. You are the El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. More than enough. Father, for healing in our bodies. Healing in our bodies. And especially, Lord God, I shouldn't say especially, it means all of us, but also want to address those that you've been believing God for a manifestation of a circumstance, a situation in your life for a long time. And you just kind of given up on it and you've got caught in the trap of saying it is what it is. Well, it ain't no more. You're healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Manifest yourself, Lord God. Do be on. Do beyond what we're asking or thinking because we limited you. Let us not be limiting you in our health, not limiting you in healthy uh, uh, bodies, in healthy relationships, in healthy finances. Lord God, we ask you to remove all limits and that we can trust you, Father God, and the person of the Holy Spirit within us to be leading, guiding, and directing us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just say this with me. Say, thank you, Father, for the rich blessings of Almighty God. I am rich and I am satisfied in my life in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for it, Lord. I'm leaving here today, not by myself, but with Christ. He is with me. He's leading. He's protecting. 
He's providing for his presence is always around me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you're in here today and you never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer. We call it a prayer unto salvation. Just pray this with me. If you're watching us online, I ask you to pray this with me and come into a place where you make that personal commitment. You may be in here today thinking, wow, all that stuff sounds really good. How do I get in on that? Well, God loves you. That's how you get in on it. And you accept his love into your life. So say, thank you, Father, that you so loved me that you sent Jesus for me to shed his blood for my sin. I believe that today. I confess today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Thank you, Father. I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that for your first time and you're here with us, let one of us know, one of the ushers or myself. We want to rejoice together with you. If you're online, you prayed that, make sure you get online and let us know. We want to rejoice with you. We have materials that can help you as well. So I'm so excited for what God wants to do in this rich, satisfied life. Rich and satisfied. Amen. And I hope you got something out of it because if you didn't, I know I did. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We love you. Have an awesome, awesome rest of the day. Enjoy family or whatever you're doing to celebrate the Labor Day holiday. Be safe. The Lord your God be with you and go out there and share your rich, satisfied life with others. God bless you. Love you. See you next Sunday morning.